Everybody to Real Estate Real World with Marguerite Crescello, and that would be me. I'm really honored today to talk to our next guest. It's kind of quirky and crazy how I met this gal. I'm part of a of a great Facebook group uh, called Lab Coat Agents, and she happens to be one of the admins of it, but I kept seeing all of her comments and her posts, and she just sounded like such a smart cookie that I said, I got to meet this gal. And the best part about it was that she uh, is based out of the Carlsbad area down in Southern California, and my brother lives there. So I got the pleasure of last week uh, connecting with her, and we got to go have coffee like a block from the beach. I mean, what more can you ask for? So I want to introduce our guest. Regina P. Brown is the president of California Coast and Country Homes, as well as a speaker, trainer, and technical writer for Realty Pro Academy. Her first published book and ebook, Buy Your First Home, received rave reviews from both real estate agents and home buyers. And her second printed book, Learn the Lingo of Houses, Reference of Real Estate Terms for Today's Industry Professionals, has just received a ton of acclaim from industry insiders. And at the end of our podcast today, we're going to talk about how you can get a special edition of that book. So be sure to stay tuned to the very end. Well, there's a ton of stuff I could tell about her, but she's earned dual degrees in real estate and business, communication entrepreneur, I mean, her bio goes on for days. But one part that impressed me was a couple things here. Regina is one of the first to complete NAR, the National Association of Realtors, train the trainer courses for employer-assisted housing and expanding housing opportunities. And she goes out there and teaches these classes, does a ton of cutting-edge topics from which realtors can benefit. She has a crazy large social media following with many of her sites at 5,000 friends and maxed out and more. Matter of fact, we had a conversation one day. She's like, I've hit 5,000 friends. I can't accept any more friends. <laughs> so it's been a ton of fun. She's been quoted in professional journals, interviewed on radio shows, and is incredibly respected as a leader in the real estate industry. So welcome, Regina. Thank you so much, Marguerite. I'm glad to be here today. And I share your passion for our real estate industry and I love going out and talking to real estate agents, real estate brokers, and just, you know, elevating the professionalism in our industry. It's part of uh, a legacy, I guess you might call it, which we're going to talk about today. And I, Yeah, I like- you know, it's, it's, it's so awesome um, that you do that because I just think that the industry needs more, well, women, frankly. You know, 65% of the real estate agents out there are women, and most the trainers, God bless you men, we love you. But uh, we we need to hear it from our side of the tracks a little bit, huh? That's for sure. We recently compiled a list of trainers in our lab coats group, and all of them were men. And I thought, what's missing off this list? We need some great women. And soon, shortly after that, I ran into you, and you're definitely one of the top trainers and coaches, so I'm very excited and honored to be here with you today. Well, thank you. I know just last week we finally, after lots of hard work and time, launched our Masterclass Real Estate Academy. And I know you and I talked about 
putting some stuff together for that. So I'm really excited about that. Yay. So tell me a little bit about your background. Like, how did you get into real estate? Like, what keeps you here? Give me a little bit of history about you. I kind of have a unique background as compared to most real estate agents. Most of us, it's a second or third or maybe even a fourth career. But for me, it was my very first career out of high school. And I was talked into it by my boyfriend at the time who thought real estate is a great way to build wealth. It's a great way to earn money. It's a great way to get rich and and invest in the future, which it is all of those, but I knew nothing about it. So I went to college and I got my degree in real estate and small business management. And I thought, what am I going to do with these now? (laughs) So I earned my real estate license. I got hired by one of the top producing agents in San Luis Obispo. And she hired me to run her office and be a property manager, take care of her books, her accounts, and things like that. So I really learned the business from the inside out from an experienced pro. And that was definitely a, a huge learning curve for me because when you go to a, sit in a classroom, you learn about the principles of real estate and the practice of real estate, but it's nothing like getting out there in the field and actually getting your feet wet and hands-on work. I'm sure you can attest to that. Oh, absolutely. You know, I I frequently tell the story about, you know, riding a bike. It's like I can describe you all day long mm-hmm. what it's like to ride a bike, but until you get on, it, it's it's just not the same. And, you know, even two people who are getting their real estate license and they're, they're so excited and they want to ask me questions, and I say, don't ask me any questions that will only confuse you. <laughs> And there's nothing like getting out there and and doing it, and that's when the real education begins. And there is a lot to learn in this business. I mean, if you think about it, we wear so many hats. We wear the the marketer hat. We wear the uh, counselor hat. We wear the legal compliance hat. We wear the contracts hat. We must be super negotiators, and all this time we still have to follow ethics, and cooperate with other agents. So there's a lot to this business. There's a lot of moving pieces. Exactly. Well, I know that one among the many licenses and credentials you have and trainings you've done, you've created basically a seven steps of career motivation, right? Kind of the life cycle of a real estate agent, yeah, for lack yeah. of a better word. That, that's a good way to describe it. It's something I've been thinking about for many years, and I just started putting the pieces of the puzzle together last year and thought about, you know, we all start in this business to earn a profit, don't we? I mean, some of us, you've heard some agents say, oh, I just want to help people. But the honest truth is, if they're working for free, they're not going to keep doing that very long, are they? So, you know, earning a profit is the basic foundation for any small business, and in real estate especially, we have a lot of overhead. We have MLS dues, we have realtor dues, we have associations to join, we have marketing expenses. So we really do have to hit the ground running when we start out earning a profit. And shortly after that, we find out that we have to comply with regulations. So that's a a little tough for new agents who find out that there are a lot of regulations in our industry and there are a lot of laws to learn I'm even going to a new laws class coming up simply because it, we have to stay abreast of them. There's so many new laws, and you know it's a part of our industry that we have to make sure that we're always compliant with. And they're constantly changing. 
Exactly, exactly. And we also learn from other agents who went before us who maybe didn't follow the laws. <laughs> and yeah. they are examples for us. And, you know, maybe we can learn from that. And that's part of what we call the ethics. And the ethics are um, over and above following the laws. The ethics are a professional way that we conduct ourselves with each other and with the public. And as you know, in California, if you get break an ethic code or if something happens and somebody reports you and you have to go to an ethical hearing, perhaps your name and photo might be posted on the website for CAR. So that's something, you know, that's really got people thinking about a lot. And the reason they did that, I, I know it's really controversial, but was to be an example to show, you know, here's what we want you to do and here's what we don't want you to do. And and so that's available, I know, on the California Association of Realtors website. Um, and it's not easy, right? Like the things that we deal with on a daily basis, there are so many moving parts and pieces to it. And as I mentioned earlier, things constantly changing, literally minute by minute sometimes things are changing in our industry, which it, it really starts to show the true value of an agent who puts in the time and effort to exactly. understand all of that. And ethics is more about uh, being honest, but it, it's more than just that. It's also the way we treat others around us. And new agents have no idea that there are so many regulations and they're so complex. And they also aren't aware of ethics. It seems like it's the wild, wild west and anything goes until another agent gets upset with them, right? And in this very competitive industry, this is one of the first things I learned, it can be shark eat shark. And it's tough. Exactly. I agree. And if another agent doesn't like something you do, they can report you to the ethics board or, you know, call the association and, and complain about you and... So uh, I know a lot of new agents aren't aware of all these things and the correct way to you know, follow the code of ethics. So tell us about, is it, uh, was that step three? What's step that, four? That's step three. And after an agent is now earning a profit, you know, I'm all excited. I got my profit, got my sales coming in. I got my transaction in the pipeline. I'm, you know, I'm following all these gazillion rules put out by the state. Now I'm also doing the ethics. Now I find that I need to take my business to a higher level. So step four is really best business practices. It's about earning a dollar, but earning it more efficiently and more effectively. You know, for example, not putting a buyer in your car who's not pre-qualified and driving them around for five weekends in a row and then find out they can't qualify for a loan. So it's really about taking that next step of your business, better business practices, Um, earning more but also working smarter, working more efficiently and more professionally. That's such a key one. And what would you say, how many years has somebody been in real estate before on average, they figure that part out. They start to look around and say, huh, I need to think this through and get a little bit better at it. 
Yes, I would say it's definitely a few years. And depending on how much business they're doing, what kind of mentorship they've had, what kind of training, as you noted earlier, training is so key. It's really important to get a good coach, a good mentor, a good training program so that you don't have to spend three years beating around the bush trying to find buyers who are qualified and you can learn how to pre-screen them right away and, and other be- better business practices. On the Lab Coat Agents group and on Facebook, for example, you know we get to see a lot of agents talking about discussing things that they've gone through, where they are in their business, how long they've been in business. And definitely you can see that there's some frustration built up after a few years of not earning what they want and wasting their time and working on non-money-making activities with unqualified buyers or whatever the case is, and they're, and they're ready to take their business to the next level. But, you know, always somewhere in that um, few years range, agents are tempted to leave the business. And as you know, our industry has the highest turnover ever. Well, and don't you think, too, that... Well, I think that part of the problem that we have in the industry is that many real estate agents come in with kind of um, uh, rose-colored glasses, right? Yep. They think that, oh, <laughs> yeah. I'll get into real estate, I'll make, you know, a million dollars, all the realtors I know drive a Mercedes, and they don't really understand that you really have to run it like a business. Like, you have to have a business exactly. mindset and a, and to really understand how a business operates, Right. Income and expenses and, and, you know, I I teach in Masterclass, we teach it as marketing operations and finance. Mm -hmm. Like you need to know each of those areas are so key in running a business. And frankly, most real estate agents don't learn that till much later if they learn it at all. And that's true. Some of them just get discouraged because they don't have enough sales and they spent a ton of money on marketing. They thought it was going to be get rich quick like you see on an infomercial at night, right? Everybody thinks real estate is quick and easy. Those agents must be getting those big commissions. But what they don't see behind the scenes is the hard work we we do on weekends, evenings, holidays. We're working while everybody else is out playing. And we have overhead, and we have splits of commissions with our brokerages and our TC, and we have to do all the marketing. So they don't see all that. They just see ooh, a big fat commission check, it must be a quick way to earn some money. I think I'll get my license, and then they find out after they get their license there's a lot of moving parts to it. Like you said, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, and it's not as quick and easy as it seems. But for those who persevere, you know, after step four of best business practices, I noticed something set in, and that was maybe at year 10, I'm guessing, for a lot of agents. And that's step five, and that's what I call care. It's caring about people, caring about other agents, caring about your vendors, caring about your clients and our industry and you know our housing supply here in the United States and the cost of housing and home ownership and all those great things. In the beginning, we're so busy trying to earn money, we don't think of that. We don't focus on that. We're focused on making every minute count as a money-making activity so we can earn a profit and pay our bills and continue to stay in business the next year. Well, and I know even for me, many times those first 10 years are 
you know, I was raising children, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to be a wife and, you know, trying to sell real estate and somewhere in the middle there have maybe a minute or two for myself. And um, so I know that those first 10 years I could barely breathe, much less, mm-hmm. you know, stay focused on all of the other stuff that needed to be done uh, as part of the real estate business. Exactly. And many of us don't make it past the first 10 years uh, it's shown that industry statistics, real estate agents, when their license is up for renewal the first time, many of them opt not to renew their license, so they don't make it that far. But for those who do persevere, I think it's almost like a light switch that flips on at a certain point. When you start being an advocate for housing, when you start going to the, the city council meetings and standing up for home ownership and housing in your community, and when you start worrying about your colleagues who are who are people too like you said they're they're busy as well and they have families and, and caring about them as people you know when we first started in the industry we tend to think oh the agents are all my competitors why should i be friends with them right i know i thought that for many years i completely agree and i think something that as an industry we we do need to actually work on is our treatment of each other, right? It's mm-hmm. like when you build your business right, first of all, you don't have to worry about the competition. When you build it, you know, with relationships and, and connecting with people. But as an industry, you want to have those strong relationships with other real estate agents, affiliates, vendors in the community because you truly have no idea when, you know, that's going to come back to help you or harm you, depending on what, you know, how that relationship went. Yes, and I've learned even in a huge market like San Diego, where our association has 12,000 members, even in such a large market, you still run into the same agents over and over again, and so you can't afford to burn bridges. Completely. I learned that when we were building a brokerage. It's like, you never know who's going to be working for you or who you're going to be working for. <laughs> it's crazy. Exactly. And, you know, that agent that you thought was your competitor that you got mad at, next week your buyer might want to make an offer on that agent's listing. So you just have to, you know, be very tactful and diplomatic and, and have a good attitude. Such a valuable lesson. Yeah. So tell us about number six. Okay, so that was step five, caring. And, you know, after you do start to care, you're probably going to get recruited to a leadership position at your local board, at Women's Council Realtors, YPN, NAREB, ARIA, NAREP, or one of those groups, or even in your community. So that's step six is leadership and contribution. And most of us, obviously, we can't start there because we're just learning the business at the beginning, but we don't realize the value of contributing to our industry until much, much later. I mean, for me, it was probably a good 15 years before I actually started participating in the association instead of complaining about all the the rules or the value (laughs) or the membership. I thought, you know, I, I need to get involved and I need to know what's going on and I need to be a part of that voice. I have a vision and I'd like to see my vision come to fruition for our association because I care. So, you know, still uh, it's on the caring level, but just a step higher, and that is actually putting it into practice by contributing, being a leader, whether it's going to your 
city council meetings and participating, as I mentioned before, but also getting involved in our industry and the realtor organization or the realtist organization or women's council or whatever it is, but being involved and being able to contribute and give back to our industry. So what did that look like for you? Like what? Which one did you get involved with first and why? Well, I started in San Luis Obispo, and we had a local, uh, a very small group of realtors in San Luis Obispo, but very tight-knit. And they really care a lot about each other and the community. And I was very moved by that. They actually had something called a broker chat, which was once every couple of months, all the brokers would get together, and they would talk about what's going on in the industry and they would share pointers with each other. And I have to say, as a broker with, you know, kind of a, a young company, I was really impressed by that. I was impressed by the fact that they were all willing to co- contribute and share what's going on and help each other. So that was my first um, exposure, as you might say. And then also I would see I would see different leaders who were going to car and NAR, and going to the state capitol, and talking to policymakers on a state and national level, I was impressed by that. I saw their pictures, and I just thought it was great. I wasn't ready to get involved at that point. But later on, when I moved to San Diego, I started getting involved in the education committee at the San Diego Association of Realtors because I just felt like I had a lot to give, and I wanted to help make a difference and I'm very passionate about education, so that was a natural inroad for me. And once I volunteered on that committee, I was asked to be on the Tech and, and Business Development Committee, so I've served on both of those for several years, and that's been wonderful. And I also was uh, recruited to Women's Council of Realtors, which I am president-elect of our network this year, and also with National Association of Real Estate Brokers, which is the advocating for a black home ownership in America. And they're just doing a great job of reaching out to the community. And through these organizations, I saw that it's not about me, but it's about contributing to our industry, contributing to homeowners and helping create homeowners, and also helping other agents. It's really giving you know a hand up to others, as others have given me a hand throughout the years. So how do you find the time to manage all that? I mean, I know that I, I too, was, you know, president of WPR back in 1999, and I remember that time. My kids were little. I don't even know how the heck I did it. I think back and think, I was just insane. I had two small kids, and uh, and I was the president of Women's Council that year, and it, it's hard to balance all of it. I think maybe that's a question maybe you could help address a little bit. Yeah, it is always ongoing, um, a challenge to balance all of that. I know Barbara Corcoran from the Shark Tank, and, you know, she's a real estate broker. She came and spoke at California Association of Realtors a couple of years ago, and she was asked about time management, and she said, there is no such thing as work-life balance. (laughs) And I have to say I agree. She said, when I come home, I just turn off my phone and put put it by the front door. And that's her only way, really, is to just literally turn off the media because it's coming at you 24-7. You've got your phone, you've got the email, you've got social media, 
you know, it's always popping up at you. It's always prompting you. So it is hard to turn it off, and it is hard to balance. But there are definitely ways to do it. And one of the ways that I that's worked for me is to delegate. You know, instead of doing everything myself, to find a great team and delegate to team members. So I have a really great team that I just adore, and they're doing an awesome job. I keep giving them more and more projects, and they keep accomplishing it. So that allows me to go out there and do the high-level things and not get caught up in the minutia. Wouldn't you say that that's probably one of the biggest challenges that that most women face is really Mm -hmm. learning how to delegate, how to say no, how to, you know, not try to be superwoman at all times, right? Exactly, exactly. Yes, for us as women it's especially hard because we tend to be the people who get delegated too. We tend to be the people who are doing all the details and we are detail-oriented and we also enjoy doing a great job. We like to be diligent. We're conscientious. And we like to make sure things are done completely and correctly. So for us, it is hard to leave the details to somebody else because when you you leave the details to somebody else, guess what? They're not going to be done perfectly. And it's not going to be exactly the way you would have done it. And we have to be okay with that. Yeah, there's a great uh, training I I've taught for many years called how to how to delegate what you hate. <laughs> and basically taking a list of what you do every day and putting it on a piece of paper and make one big list for about a week if at all possible. Mhm. And at the end and of that week you get to move things to one side or the other. Either you love to do it or you hate to do it. And everything that you hate to do, the goal is to figure out how to delegate that. That's, like that's one thing is, is that I hate to do is I am not a laundry person. I do not like to do laundry. <laughs> I never have. I was one of those teenagers who had, you know, the closet piled high with laundry because I would never do it. And so I figured out pretty early on I need to figure out how to delegate that. Right. And well, so I'm sure you as, as a mom, you know, you're, oh. you practice all those skills too. Yeah, I mean, I finally, and and so funny story, um, my husband does his own laundry, but I have um, a person that comes in and takes care of the rest of it. And so they delivered a new washer and dryer for us one day, and the guy comes out, and he's like, okay, you know, Mrs. Crispillo, um, do you want to come in for a moment so I can, you know, explain to you how the machine works? And my husband just started busting up laughing. <laughs> he's like, you better show me, because Steve's never even touched the old washer, so... <laughs> well, if you can delegate something that's routine like that, I mean, my hat's off to you because it just frees up your time to do things that are big picture, things that are moving your big goals forward and things that are making a difference. I mean, even I if you have to hire somebody to come in and make your meals, do your laundry, clean your house, you know, if that frees up your time so that you have more time for the big picture things and to focus on moving your career forward, then, you know, it's worth it. Well, and I think that we forget many times how much we are worth per hour, per se. Not only that, but, for example, there are people out there, and I've met them, I have one, who loves to do laundry. 
Like, mm-hmm. that's crazy to me, right? Well, well if it makes you feel any better, my husband's great at doing laundry, and he does that here. And washes yeah, the so dishes and cleans the floor. He's an awesome husband. <laughs> you have a great husband. I got the pleasure of meeting him when uh, yes. I was down there with you. He's, he's delightful. <laughs> but, he probably wouldn't want so everybody you don't have to know, to but he's... But he does. He he really pulls his you know weight. So I'm very thankful for that. And not everybody is in that position though. Well, it probably took a what? How long have you guys been married? Like 25 years of training. Well, right? 30. <laughs> so yeah. Well, so tell us the benefits about of, of staying long term, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, let's talk about after leadership a little bit. What, yeah, next? so leadership, we talked about delegating because at, when you're in a leadership role, you're still going to have to worry about all those other steps that you already went through. You're still going to have to worry about earning a profit every day because you have to pay your bills. You still have to comply with the regulations. You still have to follow the code of ethics, and you still want to have better business practices. You still care. And yet you, you're juggling all these hats And yet at some point in your career, you're going to feel compelled to move on to the next step, and that is if you stick with it long enough because sometimes agents get discouraged and they they quit before they reach what I call the light at the end of the tunnel or the prize or, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And that's step seven, what I call generativity. It's leaving a legacy for future generations. And oftentimes we don't think about that because we're busy trying to make money every day and and fulfilling our volunteer duties that we don't think about, you know, what's going to happen when I retire and will my voice have made any difference? Will all this work have been for nothing or is there something tangible I'm going to leave behind as a representation of my voice and my vision? What was that word again you said? Generativity, which basically means leaving something for another generation you know, teaching them and molding and shaping them so that they can step into your shoes. I've never heard that word. I'm going to have to look it up. I love that word. It's one of those big words I learned in my recent studies at Ashford University. I'm taking courses at Forbes College of Business there to earn my real estate degree. So it was one of those words that I saw in an academic context, and I thought, hey, this is a great real estate word too. <laughs> so I kind of That's a fantastic it. word. I love that. Yeah. So so it's really awesome tell us, you know to think about that. Go ahead. Tell us what you're doing in that arena. I know that you do a ton, but mm-hmm. and, and and I so admire everything that you've already done throughout your career, but obviously this is a huge component of who you are mm-hmm. today is the generous generativity legacy portion. Right. What does that and look I, like for you? Well, I feel very compelled to work on that. I, I go to bed at night thinking about it. I wake up in the morning ready to work on it and, and think about it. It's my passion because I've gone through all those other steps. Um, but before I talk about me, I just want to first thank you for your real estate school, for your training program, for your coaching, because you are leading by example and you are putting that generativity into practice. You're actually out there doing it, and you're, you have something tangible that elevates our industry. People can learn from, and you know, it's definitely a legacy to leave. Especially like, well, you know, thank you. A, a, 
podcast. Thank you so much. All, all of your training. So I just have fun with it. You know, I feel um, <laughs> I feel so incredibly blessed and grateful uh, by this industry. Like my life is so much bigger and different than I ever in my wildest dreams imagined. And it grows to be on you able after to, a few years, huh? <laughs> it does, you know. And to be able to be a part of it, I just feel like there's, uh, you know, I've spent 23 years in the industry, and there's nothing I love more than giving back and spending time with great people like you who are leaving a legacy, who are making a difference. I think we just need more great examples like that, and mm. so you're absolutely an example, and oh, I'm just, you. like I said, honored. I, we're having a good session here, but, you know, it's, yeah. um, it, and, it's, you know, it's they cool. say iron sharpens you. iron, right? So we're learning yeah. from each other, and we're holding each other accountable, and we're together moving forward. So I know that you, among the countless things you've done, you've written a couple books. So tell us yeah. a little bit about your book. Okay, I do. I just wanted to share one quick story about generativity before we do, because yeah. it's on my mind and my heart today. You know, at our church, we go to a, a very small church, and everybody's like family. And recently, um, the mother of the church, the founder of our church, passed away last week. And she's just such a sweet, blessed lady. Her name is Aww. Mother Ethel May Buchanan. But anyway, I, I was thinking about it, because they're going to have her funeral and services this week, they couldn't find a building large enough to accommodate all the people who are coming. The largest oh. building they can find seats 1,200 people, and it's going to be packed and overfilled. And I just thought, you know what? If that is an example of a person who's left a legacy, what is? I mean, how exactly. many people will be at my funeral? I don't know, but it probably won't be over 1,000 people. She has impacted so many people's lives. Her and her husband built the church with their own hands in 1964. The building is now owned free and clear and has had decades of ministry to the community of giving away food, you know, helping families. It's, and it's it's probably not in the best neighborhood. So in that neighborhood, there are so many people that have needs and they come there for, you know, their needs, whether it's food or housing or a hand up or counseling or whatever it is. And I mean, that to me, that's just a role model of somebody leaving a legacy that, you know, I can't help but be envious of how much she's done in her, you know, 86 years. So anyway, you know, that's just my little is... story about about Mother Buchanan, an, an awesome, awesome lady. Anyway, um, what a tribute! Yes, yes, I agree. Yes. So my story is a little bit about books because I've always wanted to be an author. I always wanted to write. Ever since I was in third grade, I always knew I was going to be an author. I loved reading books. But, you know, like you said, life gets busy. I have my kids, my career, working two jobs often, our responsibilities in the community and our church, and the kids have soccer practice and they have cheerleading and they have baseball and so, so many things, you know, life is just so busy when they're young, and sometimes we don't stop to take a breath, so I really didn't, and then one day the, we had an empty nest, and the house was quiet, and God just put it on my heart to dust off my book and get it out and start writing it. So, it, it started actually, um, the book is called Buy Your First Home, 
and it had started as a little guide that I would hand to my buyers. And I would talk to them about, here are the things that you need to know about buying a house. And as I would advise them throughout the process, I would make notes. So it started as a small little brochure, I guess you might call it, and I I would sit down and talk to them when they came in to have their buyer appointment, their initial appointment before we go and looked at houses. And it just kind of grew, and it kept growing and growing. So I had all of this information, and I didn't know what to do with it, and I thought, that'll be my book, right? So I thought, that'll be easy because I have all the information. Well, it took a lot more work than I thought. And I'm very ambitious, so I added a lot of information I researched a lot of sources. It took me nine months to write. Isn't that amazing? Well, that sounds short, actually. But the, <laughs> I, I know it sounds like a long time, but I know I've been working on mine for a couple of years, and I just have not been able to pull the whole thing together. So good for you. Well, I just uh, use something called, I now I look back and I call it my EDD, Everyday Discipline. And it's just working on it a little bit every day. Even though I had a long day and I was tired, I would still spend 10 or 15 minutes working on it a little bit every day. And, you know, a little bit every day over time adds up to a lot, and we don't think about it. That's a great way to lay it out there, EDD, mm-hmm. everyday discipline. Every, I like that. I'm going to write that down. Yes. And, you know, of course there were obstacles along the way, and at the end I just couldn't get it done. I'm too much of a perfectionist. I kept changing things. I kept fixing. I kept adding. I kept editing And finally what I had to do is I had to hire somebody to help me get it finished. And what she calls herself is a Sherpa, a book Sherpa. In other words, somebody who's like a a book shepherd that guides you. And she helped me the last month to finalize it, get it done, and get it out the door. And you know what? It wasn't perfect, and I had to be okay with it. I had to be okay with the fact that Mm -hmm. life isn't perfect. And that helped me really, helped me to... um, you know, to take action and, and continue working on it instead of overanalyzing. I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard the saying, analysis paralysis. Oh, absolutely. I can't even tell you how many, sometimes we get how many so, times I've been there and I've seen other people go through the same thing. I, I think I've probably even gotten there a little bit on my book, kind of gotten that paralysis of analysis. So <laughs> I've, I've been inspired by you the last couple of weeks. I'm like, I just need to get this thing done. Oh, you are. You are, and I know it. I know it's going to be really soon. So tell us about your other book. This is one oh, where okay. we've talked about yeah, offering so this, this, this one first book was for called by members. The first book was called Buy Your First Home. It's written for home buyers. However, real estate agents love it, especially new real estate agents. I've said a a lot to different real estate agents, and they said this is a great training for new real estate agents. But you know what? I use it for myself personally. I hand it to my new buyers when I meet them at the first buyer appointment instead of the little 10-page brochure I used to hand them. And they're very grateful to have that guidance, you know, that advice to have the expectations set. So another thing I've been working on, and it's a it's a continual work in progress, I would say. But, you know, one of the first things I noticed in our career is, you know, you're down here trying to earn a profit, and you realize there's so much you don't know. There's just so many pieces of the real estate industry. And one of the things I didn't know as a new agent was, I didn't know all the terms, all the words. I didn't know about houses. I had never been raised in the real estate industry. I had no background. 
So all of these are things I learned along the way. And about three years ago, I started compiling all my little terms that I had been making a list of. You know, what what does this mean? You know, the difference between different architectural styles and different roofs in a house, different types of walls and ceilings and flooring. So I started compiling them, and I approached the San Diego Association of Realtors and asked if they liked me to write newsletter articles about it. And Stephanie Pack said, yes, I would love it. So every month I've been sending her an article. So at the end of every year, I take all of those articles, I have illustrations drawn, and I add them to my book. So my book is growing and growing. It's called Learn the Lingo of Houses, and it's all about those words, those terms we hear that we don't always know what they mean. I mean, I'm sure you've heard a few when you were a new agent that you weren't quite sure about. Well, you know, I'm cracking up because I, as I was flipping through the book, uh, there's several that I was like, I didn't. I mean, I've been 23 years in real estate. I didn't, I didn't know <laughs> what many of those things meant. You know, so I think that we're constantly learning, and and what a great resource! It's yeah. really phenomenal. I was I was surprised at what I didn't know. Right. And you know, for us that work. Uh, with buyers, when we go out and we show a property to a buyer, we really want to know what the features of the house are called so we can point them out to our buyers. And we don't want to have our buyers asking us, oh, is that engineered hardwood floor? And we don't know what that means, right? Well, it's funny that, that you say that because I think one thing I hear frequently from newer agents is they're so afraid of looking stupid, right? They just mm-hmm. don't want to look stupid in front of somebody and not know. And, you know, to be honest with you, in flipping through the book, I didn't really know the difference between engineered and laminate and real wood. Right, and, right. You know, now I've even seen tile floors that look like wood. Yeah. How do you believe it? Yes, that that is true. That's kind of a new trend, and I think they're really beautiful. I wouldn't want them in my bedroom, but, you know, they do look nice in the kitchen or maybe even the den. But, I mean, even with a – you go to take a listing and – you're, you know, you need to put your ad in the MLS and you need to create flyers. You need to know what those things are called. Mm. You know, and well, that's so true. And mm-hmm. Go ahead. Don't you think that that's what keeps some agents from even going after maybe the higher end or luxury homes because exactly. they feel a little intimidated? Exactly. And let's face it, in the luxury homes there are a lot more features Especially features that you need to know before you go in and take a listing. And that's what's so cool about this book is that you can literally, I think of it like a dictionary almost, right? Like a reference Bible, yeah. so to speak. I call it an encyclopedia. <laughs> oh, what'd you call it? An encyclopedia. Oh, yeah. Remember those old school days when we had the whole shelf full of encyclopedias? And now everyone right. Googles everything. but. I'm still a little bit old school. I love having that book where I can just kind of flip through and and learn at my leisure. I think it's super cool. What were some of the surprises that you felt like you found when you were doing the research for that book? Well, I would would say that I like watching home and garden TV shows. And some of them, we all know, know, some are staged, they're a little fake. But you can still learn things on the terms. Uh, one of my favorite shows is Homes on Homes, and I think they, I don't know if they're making any new episodes. I think they're all just reruns now, but, 
You know, Holmes comes in and he says, oh, this house is horrible. I can't believe the contractor did this and this and he didn't finish. And he goes through the house and he shows you exactly what's wrong. And these are things as a real estate agent I need to know because when I'm walking through with my buyer and I'm advising him, I need to know the signs that something is wrong with the house. I need to know the signs to be able to advise them to get a home inspection and here's why. Now you need to get a, a foundation inspection or a roof inspection and here's why and here's some signs I see that you need to do your due diligence and investigate. I mean that that's more than just, you know, wanting to know, that's needing to know these things. So I think one of the, the big surprises to me was for the twenty sixteen issue which is just being published right now, I I was trying to finish one more topic. So I was kind of pushing myself because I had a certain number of topics done throughout the year. And I said, I'd like to have just one more topic done in December. So I looked through my list. I have about 30 topics still coming up that I haven't um, researched yet. And I thought, okay, let me pick the easiest one. So you know what I picked? <laughs> I picked stairs. I thought, what could be easier than stairs? Well, that was quite a lesson. <laughs> there are a lot of different types of stairs. I thought, you know, there's straight stairs, there's spiral stairs. Well, there's also arching stairs, and there's different type, you know, pieces of the stairs, the base rail and the spindle, and, you know, there's the, the tread and the riser, and there's just a lot of different parts of stairs, and I didn't realize how many different types and the variety and all that, and I actually had, oh, a good 40 pages of research that I had to try to, you know, get down to about four or five pages so I could make it a chapter in the book. So stairs are are in the 2016 edition. (laughs) Wow, I would have never even thought about that. And then there's even, like, the whole feng shui of stairs, too. I know Mm -hmm. certain certain um, people have issues with the way, the direction the stairs are facing and how they turn and curve and yeah, I would have I would have to agree with you. I don't think I ever thought there was quite so much information about stairs, but right. what valuable information to have. Yeah, and we try to keep it kind of a big picture overview. You know, there's a lot more details we could get into, but we've left that up to agents who want to do more research, especially when it comes to the construction. We've tried to include just the big things that you're going to need to know as an agent. If if there's something wrong with the stairs, you need to be able to point it out to your buyers or sellers and say, you know, it looks like the treads are worn thin or they're breaking through or whatever it is, just so you can have the right terminology when you point those out. I think that that's, like I said, I was so fascinated. I spent a couple hours going through and looking at stuff and I was just so amazed at the information and the content that was in there. And so I know that we've you've come up with a very special edition for the Masterclass yes. Real Estate Academy, right? Yes, just for the Masterclass. We have a very special edition of Learn the Lingo. It's a 2016 edition, which is not yet published. It will be published in a couple of days. And we have a special edition just for Marguerite and her fans. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm so excited about it. I can't wait to see it. And we're going to have a very special link on our website, and we'll post that link with the podcast when we put when we put it up here in a day or so so that you can get access to it and be the first ones to have this 2016 edition. I'm telling you, you're going to – it's going to be 
it really should be required reading for every real estate agent in my opinion. I, I agree. There's nothing better than a small investment of something that sits on your desk that you can thumb through and get the answers to your questions. I mean, say you just listed a house and you need to put it in the MLS and you're thinking about all the features in the house, just flip open the book and find a couple of things in there that you can use. Oops, are we there? Did we lose you? Yes. Can you hear me? Oh, sorry. We lost you there for a second. So, you know, I was just saying that the, the book is a great resource to keep on your desk and flip through when you're, you've taken a listing and now you need to find out what do I call this feature in the kitchen? What kind of stove is this? What kind of hood range? Absolutely. And I'm here to tell you, if as soon as you get off this podcast, click on the link <laughs> and we'll get that link posted for you and order this book because I know you have a limited supply too. So we don't want to sell out and you be the one person who doesn't have it. Because uh, like I said, in my whole career, I've never seen anything like it. And I, I personally think it's extraordinary. So thank you, oh, thank Regina, you. for creating such an incredible legacy as step seven of your seven steps of career motivation. And I just even think that that life cycle of an agent is is so accurate and compelling and is, is a great model for people to look at that are either, A, getting into the business or looking at what level they're at because – I think you can get so overwhelmed, and, and yes, the big exactly. mistake people make is kind of comparing themselves to others. And if you look at that little life cycle, you say, "Oh, that's where I'm at." <laughs> and I think it's good motiv- go. it's good motivation for those who are thinking about quitting the business because they're discouraged or frustrated or they don't see any uh, light at the end of the tunnel. And I think it's a great way to say, you know, your skills that you've been learning are valuable. And you can create something for somebody else for the future. Absolutely. Well, you know, this has been just a great conversation with you, Regina. And like I said, it's been such an honor to get to know you. And you are truly um, uh, walking the talk, right? I mean, you're out there creating a legacy for yourself. Well, I'm doing my best. So I'm just uh, trying to run as fast as I can and, i got to stay ahead of you, Marguerite, <laughs> or at least catch up to you. <laughs> right. Well, we can walk side by side. we got a ton that, to do. That's so right. We've got a ton of work to do and, and plenty of room for all of us. And we will post a link to this on the Masterclass Real Estate Academy, not only to the podcast, but we'll have a link directly to this book. And like I said, I know that she just has a few limited ones that are going to be available for us. So please hop on over there and get your copy of the book. And thank you again, Regina, for spending thank some time with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm I know so we're going to do a lot more stuff in the future. So Yes, I'm very excited about that. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us today on Real Estate Real World with myself, Marguerite Crispillo, where we talk about relevant topics that real estate agents are facing right now in our industry. To hear more great interviews, head on over to masterclassrealestateacademy.com. Be sure and subscribe to our podcast, and we would love to hear your reviews over on iTunes. So thank you again for joining us, and go out and make it a fantastic day.